Good morning, everybody. I am doing the reading this morning from John. My name's Linda, and this is my church. And we're going to be reading from John 14, 12 through 15. If you have a, um, what is it, English, what does the ESV stand for? I'm so not used to it yet. So um, if you don't have one, there are some Bibles in front of you, perhaps, that you would like to follow along with. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 12 through 15. We on? There we go. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Bergen Park. I want to ask you, if you will, you'll see under your seat or right in front of you, there are two cards, and I'd love for you to grab those cards if you, if you would. If you haven't already, you'll see them down at the floor below. There's two different cards. If you don't have two different cards, you can just use them for two different purposes. One of them says, tell me more about praying at BPC, and that's an opportunity for you to fill that out so that we can connect with you, and then share with you the things that are going on and ways you can get connected to the church through prayer. The second is vitally important, which is how can we pray for you? At the end of this service today, we're going to spend some time in the service actually giving you a chance to talk to your Heavenly Father and to ask Him, Lord, what is it that I need to be praying for? Maybe there's a need in your life that you want to share with us. Uh, you don't have to put your name on that card, but we will be asking you at the end, if you'd like to, there's going to be some people up front that would love to pray over you. You can bring that card up front, but also when you head out, this board that's behind me is actually going to be out in the lobby area, and we're going to pin that uh, prayer request on that board. So through the entire week, which means the coming weeks, the next three weeks, we're going to be praying over those requests. And so please grab those cards uh, and during the service, and even as I'm speaking, maybe the Lord starts to move on your heart and uh, addresses an area that you specifically need to grow in prayer, or maybe an area that you want to pray about for our community or for yourself. And hey, before we jump in, uh, can I pray for us in this time together and ask the Lord to guide us? Let me pray. Father, I thank you that when we gather in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are with us. And Lord, we come before a throne of grace, which means we can be honest when we come before you. You know our needs. You know our struggles and our fears and our concerns. And yet you welcome us because we've placed our faith in Jesus, and Jesus covers us. So do we don't come in the shame of the past or... The challenges of tomorrow, rather we walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, knowing that you receive us, and because you receive us, Lord, we can set our eyes on you, and we can present to you the, 
burdens and the concerns of our hearts. So, Father, meet us here today, we ask. And, Lord, speak to us and guide us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let me uh, just share a little window into my life, if you don't mind. Uh, Pastors don't know how to pray. Did you know that? Yeah, it's a little prayer. It's a little secret. Pastors often do not know how to pray. See, as all, God calls all of us to pray, God calls all of us to evangelize, but not all of us are evangelists. And so with every community, there are intercessors. I don't know if you've heard that term before. An intercessor is someone who has a passion to pray. They love to pray for what God is doing in the church. They love to pray what God is doing in the world. And you may be one of those individuals that you may not even know it yet, but you have this hunger and passion. As a pastor, I want to team up with you. We need you. We need those who are passionate about prayer. Now, in my life, the way that I learned about prayer is by praying with someone else. Now, this may be a surprise, but you don't really grow in prayer by yourself, I know it's counterintuitive, isn't it? But if the assumption is we need to grow in something, how can you grow in something if you're not with someone that knows how to do it? I mean, think of that as a carpenter. Do you just start off building stuff? I guess you do in some ways, but to really learn what you're doing, you need to get alongside someone that knows how to build, knows how to construct, knows how to do all that kind of stuff. And once you do, that person will then train you. They'll disciple you. And so one of the ways that I learned to pray was with praying by praying with someone else. And we'd get up Thursday morning from 6 (laughs) a.m. That's when you learn to pray. From 6 a.m. to 8. And we would actually, you ready for this? We would walk around the mall because that's what he did. And he was about six foot four and he would sing. He would, you heard me right. He would sing, which was very unusual for me. But what I'm explaining is when you learn to pray with someone else, you're not just learning to do what they do, but you're taking what they do and you're learning how to do it yourself. I do not walk around a mall and sing and pray. That's not how the Lord has created me. But the Lord has created me to meditate. He's created me in such a way that when I pray, I pray my favorite place to pray is in a lazy boy all reclined, arms behind my head, eyes wide open, and just meditating and thinking on the Word of God. And sometimes what the Lord will do is He'll take me out to a location, and I'll pray as I walk. And as I go along, I'll just talk if I can out loud, if no one's around me, but just allow my heart to pour out uh, what's going on in my life and, and simply to meet with Him. So when we talk about prayer, understand there's not just one way. It's not like there's just one simple way to pray. There is a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. But when it comes to how we pray, the way that we pray, it it looks differently for every single one of you. And so just starting with that, I think it's important to recognize that prayer is something we walk into like into a relationship. And so you start with where you are. You start really in many ways with what works. Now, as we jump into the text today in John chapter 14... Jesus is going to share three aspects of prayer. And in this passage, in many ways, it's almost as if prayer is just a a secondary thought to the text that we're walking through. Because see, in John chapter 14, which we just read, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to leave. And when he leaves, he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come. 
And before the Holy Spirit comes, what he says is, I need to teach you, in a sense, how to pray. And in these short verses from 12 to 15 of John chapter 14, he gives us the essentials, the guidelines for what prayer is. And we're going to pick up three simple ideas. First of all, we need to grasp the power of prayer. Does prayer actually do anything? Is there an importance to it? Second, I think we need to grasp the purpose. If you don't know the purpose of something, you're not going to use it rightly. And so we need to understand the purpose. And then finally, we need to understand the conditions of prayer. So we're going to look at the power of prayer, the purpose, and then finally the conditions. And so let's jump in in verse 12. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said it this way, Truly, truly, I say to you, and notice the words, whoever believes. So what Jesus is about to say applies to whoever believes, which means, I imagine, that's, that's all of us. And so what he's about to say in terms of what the Father wants to do, he's saying, this is the normal Christian life. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. He explains, greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. That our role on earth as the church is to carry on the work of Jesus. The reason the book of Acts follows the story of Luke is that as Jesus did his work, we as his people are to carry out that work in the world. We're supposed to continue the work that Jesus did. The question becomes, how do we do that? And see, verse 13, I think, is the answer to how do we accomplish that work. And so at the end of verse 12, he says, I'm going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So you notice the relationship. He says, hey, whoever believes in me will do these things. Then he says, whatever you ask, I will do. Which means the work that God wants us to do is really a work of prayer. It's a work of prayer so the Father can do those things through us. You see what it's saying? Whoever believes in me, these things you're going to do. Well, ask whatever you wish in my name, and I will do it. What he's saying is the works I want you to do to carry out my ministry in the world is a work that I want to do through you, but it has to start in prayer. See, the relationship of what's going on in chapter 14 is incredibly important. Notice he says, because, at the end of verse 12, I'm going to the Father, what that means is I'm going to the Father. Now, before he goes to the Father, we know he goes to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus defeats sin and death. And he, through his death and resurrection, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And what he's saying to us is, because I've defeated sin, these promises are going to open up to you. That once I go to the Father, these works that I've done, you're going to do. But the way you're going to do that is through prayer. Now, that's typically not the way we see ministry. You know, we're pretty industrious, and so we think, I just need to get at it. You with me? Here is something I need to do. God's calling me to do it. Here's a vision that I have for life. The way it's going to get done is just by me getting out there and getting it done. And what Jesus is saying is, you don't realize the power of what I've called you to do. Because the work of, what, of God's ministry isn't... It's not something we can do. It's something God has to do through us. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Because what God wants to do is not just for us to go out and to be busy in the world doing things. He wants us to do the things that he, he wants to do through us, the things that matter to him. And see, prayer is that vehicle by which God's power works through us into the world. So when we look at the world and we think of all the problems, we think of how few people may know Christ and have heard the gospel. We think of the challenges even in our own community, in your own family. And you wonder, why isn't God doing something? Well, in the same way, we should be asking, why am I not praying? Because he's told us, if we pray. Now, he says, if we pray in his name. Now, part of praying in someone's name means you're getting to know that person. You have a relationship with them. And if you get to know someone, therefore, by definition, you're getting to know their heart. You're getting to know what they value. And so what he's saying is, as you get to know me, as you get to know what I want to do in the world, as you read what I did, pray it. Pray it out. Pray out what God wants to do. And then pray for the resources to do it. Because he's saying, if you pray, I will do it. I don't think we believe him. Because we don't pray. I think we do a lot. And even in ministry as a pastor, I'll tell you, there's seasons where I am very prayerless. And the reason I think I'm prayerless is because I'm arrogant. And I think I can do it. I think if I just simply get busy and organize my schedule right, get the right information, the right people, I can accomplish what God wants to do. And what he's telling us is we've got to start by humbling ourselves and saying, Father, anything you want to do, you want to do through me. I need to humble myself before you. There is a tremendous power to prayer. Now, there's a lot of promises in Scripture that describe the promise and the power, actually the power of prayer. Yeah, I think for many of us, that's probably not where you struggle. You may believe that God can do it. The question you have is, why isn't he? Or why do my prayers seem to go unanswered? Or it doesn't seem to, as if God is listening to me. He's not hearing me. Because if you're anything like me, and hopefully you're not, but those words, whatever, whatever you ask, stand out. And it seems as if God is saying, hey, if you just pray in Jesus' name, you'll get whatever you ask for. As if God is this divine Amazon.com. If I pray before 8 a.m., I may get it at 5. <laughs> is he just saying that whatever we ask for, God is going to give it to us? Well, what we need to do is to look at the text and say, what is the purpose of prayer? What's the goal? Is the goal of prayer just to get what I want? Well, notice in verse 13 how he describes the purpose for which we pray. And he says it this way. What have you asked in my name? This I will do. And here's the reason, that the Father may be glorified. What is the purpose of prayer? Purpose of prayer is to glorify the Father. Now, he says the same thing in verses 14 and 15. The same theme appears of glorifying God, but he uses different words. And so look down at verse 14. He says, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. And then in verse 15, he says, For if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, when we keep God's commandments out of love, we glorify him. It, throughout the Gospel of John, this is what you're going to find. is John, Jesus says over and over again, Everything that I do, I do it because my Father has told me. And everything I do, I do to glorify God. Well, if that's true of Jesus, and we are to continue Jesus' ministry... 
the way Jesus glorified the Father through, was through what he did and what he said. So likewise, we are to glorify God by how we pray and by what we do. If we're going to carry on the ministry that Jesus had, well, Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He glorified the Father through what he said, but he glorified through the Father through what he did, which says to me, Jason, if you're going to glorify the Father with your life, you got to start glorifying him with your prayer. Because if you're not glorifying him with your prayer, you will not glorify him with your life. Are you with me? Now, I'll prove to you why that's true. But if you're not spending time glorifying God, mean, meaning getting in his presence, thinking about who he is, meditating on him, rejoicing in who he is, being broken before him, you will not glorify him with your life. Because see, we discovered last week, and if you'd like to go back on the podcast, you can hear that message. The word glory means weight. And the reason we pray, and I think we can be honest, is because there's something weighty in our lives. When's the last time you prayed? And what was it that caused you to pray? Often, for many of us, we pray because there's something that's heavy. Something matters. Something is significant. There's an event that just had an impact, and I don't know how to handle things, so I start to pray. And when I pray, instead of focusing on the weight of God, what you're focused on is the weight of your problem. Because your problem has more glory than God. Are you with me? Because see, the word glory means heaviness, kavod, it means weight. And often what happens when you start to pray and you bring this need, God is okay with you coming to him with a need or a problem, a concern. The problem is he doesn't want you to stay in the problem. The goal of prayer is for us to get lost in him. For, for us to find ourselves in a place where we recognize he's with us. And his presence is near me. Now, what, what does that look like? You know, this Christmas, I have to admit, um, my wife finally broke down, not for that reason, and allowed me to buy my sons a BB gun. <laughs> you know, I grew up on a street. All my friends had BB guns. My parents would never let me have one, so I just always borrowed somebody else's. But I always wanted to have a BB gun. And so this Christmas, we were going, we were at Walmart, right? We saw the Red Rider. Carbon action, right? With the thing that tells time. And, and we got one of those BB guns, and uh, it had a scope. You know, and so I got this thing out. I put it together. The one thing it didn't have was instructions on how to use the scope. And so I put it on there, and even though I could look through the scope and I could see the target, now BB guns don't shoot too straight, but it, it was nowhere near the target because I didn't know how to adjust the scope. And if the scope is off, the... BB's going to be off. Well, what's the scope when it comes to prayer? And see, the scope, the thing we have to focus our attention on is the glory of God. If you don't adjust the scope, prayer's not going to work. Because, see, you were created to center on God. Are you with me? You're created to glorify God. And see, when you come in prayer and there's a huge weight, a huge burden, what's, what you, what's happening is practically you're coming into God's presence, but you're centered on your problem. And that's okay. God knows that's where you are. That's why Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. I know you're coming with problems. He even says, hey, there's a passage that says, before you pray, I know what you need. 
The problem is we don't know what we need when we come in prayer. So Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, when you do that, what are you doing? You're adjusting the scope. You're centering your attention off the weight of yourself, and you're putting that weight on God. And that's what he's saying in verse 13. He says in verse 13, again, whatever you ask my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. The way we glorify the Father is we've got to focus on who the Father is and recenter ourselves on His glory and not just the glory that we're wrestling with. You know, when we uh, came up in August from Texas to Evergreen, we rented a U-Haul. And along the way, I realized that the U-Haul was out of alignment. Now, it wasn't that bad in the beginning. When you're on going slow in neighborhood roads, you don't really sense. You can't feel it pulling to the left or the right. But when we got on the highway for 12 hours, that thing really began to pull. And because it was out of alignment, it wanted to go to the left. It wanted to take me into oncoming traffic. Meaning if I allowed the truck to go where it wanted to go, it would eventually lead to destruction. And so I had to readjust. I had to pull to the other side to keep us going straight. Because when something's out of alignment, it always leads to breakdown. Uh, When my wife and I, we bought our first house, my uh, grandfather, who at the time uh, was 95 years old, moved in with us. And when he moved in with us, he brought these... um, this old washer and dryer. You remember the old ones that uh, kind of felt like a tank? They, they weighed about the weight of a tank. These things were indestructible. I mean, they were made out of solid steel. Well, we had this washer and dryer in our basement. The problem with something like that and those old washing machines is when you put your clothes in it, certainly in the washer, you had to distribute everything evenly. You guys ever have this problem? If you didn't, if it wasn't distributed evenly, what would happen is when the spin cycle started getting going, what you'd hear is almost like a jackhammer in the basement because you would hear the sound of the drum hitting the wall. And it sounded literally like a jackhammer. And you'd run down there, turn it off, redistribute the clothes, and then it would begin to run properly. Because if it's off its center, if it's not aligned with how it was created to be operated, eventually that washing machine is going to break down. Well, likewise, you and I were created to center on God. God was intended to be the center of our lives. And see, what happens when we center on ourselves or even when we center on our problems in the presence of God, we're not able to find that rhythm. We're not able to find that peace, that harmony that we're after, because even though we're in his presence, we're not focused on him. We're not focused on the thing that will redistribute the clothes in our lives. We're not focused on who he is. And so Jesus is saying in this text, before we bring our request to him, we have to spend the time to allow who he is to begin to melt the heart, to begin to reshape us. You see, in Matthew chapter 6, which I alluded to earlier, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. How does prayer work? He says in in verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows that you need, what you need before you ask. Instead, I want you to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, now give us this day our daily bread. 
See, when we spend that time focused on who God is, what begins to happen, and at least this is true for my life, I find the reason that uh, the, the issue, the, the problem, the concern that has drawn me to pray, when I get to that point, after spending time thinking about who he is, I find that the problem has already begun to lose its weight in my life. I don't know if that's been your experience, but the more you focus on him and you find your life centered around who he is, the problem that seems so heavy, so weighty, so overwhelming when I started to pray as I lingered in God's presence and I found out he's with me, the problem begins to lose its weight. Now, that doesn't mean that the problem's solved. It's still there. I may get up from my prayer time and find that the challenge has actually gotten worse. But my peace has increased. My focus has increased. And I'm not as concerned about trying to do it in my own strength because now I know I can't. My job isn't to do it. My job is to turn to the one that can. And so what, is that, what does that look like? Well, hey, let's take the one prayer that we all know. You ready for this? You know the 23rd Psalm. If you've ever watched Little House on the Prairie, you can't miss it. You know, it's that psalm that's quoted every time you go to a funeral. It's probably the psalm you've seen most often embroidered on some pillow or on a magnet. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Now, why is he in that psalm? Why is he the shepherd? Think about it. There's many names for God. He could be the Lord of the angel armies. You know, the Lord of the angel armies leads me to quiet waters. The Lord of the angel armies restores my... No, it doesn't work. Or he could be my high tower. In some places it says the Lord is my high tower. Uh, the high tower doesn't lead you to green pastures and quiet waters. The high tower doesn't restore your soul. The high tower keeps you safe. So why does God have all these different names and different psalms? See, what's going on in the psalm is there's a need. The need is, in David's life, in the 23rd Psalm, he needs peace. He needs tranquility. And so what does he begin to do? He begins to think on who God is. And the name comes to him, he is my shepherd. Now, in a different psalm, it may be he is my hiding place. Now, why is he my hiding place in this psalm and my shepherd in this psalm? Because that's what he needs. That as David comes to the psalm, or the psalmist comes to God, what happens is he brings his concern, but he always connects his concern to who God is. And what you find in the psalms and the prayers is who God is overshadows what God is going to do. Because as he sees God, he recenters himself. He finds himself at that place where peace can come into his life because he knows he's created for God. He knows that God is with him. He knows who God is, and he knows that ultimately, in the end, it's only God that can meet my need, that what I need in this moment is God. And so what he's saying is there's a power in prayer, but there's a purpose. We have to begin by focusing our attention on who he is, reminding ourselves of what he's done. Now, listen, this is the part in prayer where we give up because it takes focus. Two-thirds of the Lord's prayer are focused on his glory. Which means, I think, a good model to pray is every time you pray, spend two-thirds of your time on God. And so if you pray for 30 minutes, spend 20 minutes focused on God. If you pray for 15 minutes, spend 10 minutes focused on God. And take a passage and allow the words of that passage to remind you of who God is. 
Because see, as we do, we center in him. Now, that's the purpose of prayer, which is to glorify him. And as we do, that's going to influence the way you live your life. Because see, if God, your shepherd, has just met you, and he's shown you a vision of what he wants to do in your life, when you get up out of prayer, you're going to walk in confidence because you're walking in who he is. He is my shepherd. I don't have to prepare green pastures and quiet waters. I know he's going to lead me there. And he may not lead me there physically, but spiritually, I'll have this inner strength in my heart because even though the world around me is crumbling, I know I'm content and my peace is with God. Now, the final thing is what is the condition? So we see the power of prayer, that God can change things through us. The condition of prayer is that we pray in Jesus' name, which, again, has a huge assumption. And the assumption is is that we want to get to know him. When we pray in Jesus' name, what it says is the purpose of prayer in, in many ways is fellowship. It's intimacy. But it's also a reminder that, Jason, when you pray... Your, your prayer doesn't have power because you did everything right. That's where I tend to live. You know, I can't pray today. I had a horrible week. God, I can't pray to you. Look at what I did last night. Or God, I can't come before you. My life is a mess or everything is falling apart. You're not going to listen to me. Now, see, when you pray in Jesus' name, what you're saying is the only reason I can come to you is Jesus' name. The reason that you will hear me is because I'm coming in the authority and under the name of Jesus. Now, if you're somebody who's angry because God isn't answering your prayer, you're coming in your own name. Why do we get angry? Because we think we deserve an answer. See, when we approach God in any other name but Jesus, what happens is we say, hey, God, look at what I'm doing for you. Or God, look at what I deserve. But see, when we come in the name of Jesus, we recognize that what we deserve is to be cast out, rejected. My sin deserves to be separated from God, but that's not what he's given me. Instead, he's made me one with himself. He has accepted me. He loves me, and he's received me. When we come in Jesus' name, what we're saying is, Father, the only reason I can come to you is because of who Jesus is and what he's done. What you're doing is, again, when you say that, you're focusing on the glory of God. Hey, today, uh, you have those two cards in front of you. And what I want to do is just in the next seven minutes, I want to take some time. I'm going to ask one of the worship team members to come up. And what I want us to do in these, these last few minutes is I want you to take that prayer card that says, how can we pray for you? And we're going to just spend the next uh, about seven minutes just allowing God to speak to our heart. Maybe what you need to pray for is a heart for prayer that you know that your prayer life is, is weak, it's empty, and that you, what you really need to do is to pray in this time that God would give you a passion, a commitment, or there could be a concern. And I'm going to ask those uh, prayer leaders, would you also come up and uh, find your place in the front? And there's two ways that we're going to do this today as we pray. And as you fill out that card, one thing you can do is you can bring that card up to someone who's going to be in the front of the sanctuary today. And I want to encourage you, do not let pride keep you seated. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If you want to experience the grace of God and there's a prayer request that you need someone to pray for you, bring it up. Bring that request to them. Share it with them. Even if you don't want them to pray for you, what you can do is you can bring that prayer card that you filled out and just simply hand it to them. And what they're going to do is they're later going to take that and put it on the prayer board, which is out in our lobby. And all throughout the next uh, two weeks, 
through this My Church series, we're going to be praying over that request with you. So let's take the next five minutes and just simply ask the Father, Father, what is it that I need to be focused on? Where do you want me to, to be in prayer? And so let's spend that time now and just seek our Father's face.